This interview is made possible by my friends at Athens Screen Printing, HP Overhead Door Company, Speedy Tech Repair, and Tinsley Law and Title. Their sponsorship makes it possible for me to provide free content to the community. Please say thank you by visiting each of their Facebook pages. Hello friends, this is Michael from Hannigan Media and I am in the Henderson County Courthouse Annex where I uh, had to go through and get my uh, temperature taken before I was allowed to come in to talk to County Judge Wade McKinney. How are you doing today, Judge? Doing good, Mike. Thank you. All right. So um, as a surprise, we are going to have to talk all about COVID-19 again today. It seems, I, we say this every time I come and mm -hmm. talk to you, but this is what everything is about and um we've had another week where um numbers have gone up the uh the, the governor has come out and made some statements we've had local uh city official in athens make some statements and i want to talk about all of that but let's start with the numbers last week you and i talked about this and you said there is one number that you really want to keep an eye on and that is the active cases that's true and that number has gone up substantially it has uh, i believe when we spoke last time we were at 29 28 29 yeah. and now we're we're sitting at 42 and that is the number that we watch because that those cases are the ones that are uh, causing spread that are the ones that could potentially become um, more severe. Those are the ones that have the great impact. And we watch those because when you have that spike up coupled with um, hospital, those that are in hospitals, uh, that is the recipe that we are most concerned about. Right. And so according to these numbers, and again, we always have to take these numbers with a grain of salt. And I'm going to I'm going to do my little editorial right now, guys. This does not mean that somebody was lying or not lying or whatever. Look, the, the reality is that this was a moving target from the beginning as people tried to get a hold of it. And I think that testing at the beginning was very limited. Mm -hmm. And so it was really hard to get a handle on how many cases there were early. But at this point in time, we're saying there are a hundred and uh, there were a hundred and four cases in Henderson County that have been documented since the beginning, which means forty percent of all active cases are active right now. Right now, in the last month, as with the rest of our state, we have seen an increase since June the first of forty-five cases, I believe. Whereas previously in March, we had one, I believe, and they slowly have crept up over time. Right, right. But June has been a very noticeable <laughs> increase. Right. And, well, we, and we said uh, yesterday marked 10 straight days mm -hmm. for Henderson County with multiple cases identified. Right. And there's... The question that everyone asks, including myself, is is the, what is driving that? Right. Is the disease more prevalent? Was it 
at these levels before, but with the limited testing, was it not being able to be indicated? Right. You know, I believe um, for Henderson County, we're, I believe, around the 2,000 mark as far as being tested, according to state figures. And is that driving that we're able to catch these numbers? Because you do not have to be deathly ill to be diagnosed with COVID. Right. No, you can be asymptomatic. You can have very minor, you know, we hear right. this on and on. Sure. And that's led into the argument uh, uh, in Europe, there, in some cases, Germany, I think specifically, is only reporting those COVID cases that are hospitalized, that are ill. Oh, okay. Whereas in the U.S., every every case is, is reported. reported. So um, there's a lot of discussion in, about that nationally and in the medical community about what is the right way to report. But I do know that the active cases is something that we here locally can get our hands around and actually talk talk about. Right. And I think that uh, we talked about this a little bit last week just to get a grasp of how much the testing has changed when we first started this entire thing, when the pandemic first started back at Easter. Right. Uh, hard to believe it was that long ago, but um, the capacity for the entire state was less than 300. Yeah, 275 a day. And now the state is regularly between 20,000 and 30,000 tests every single day. Every single day. So, yeah, you're going to have more positives when you go from 300 to 30,000. Correct. I mean, that just seems common sense. It is common sense. And that overall number never decreases. Right. But you're active. Which is why we look recovered. at the active and the exactly. recovered. Exactly. All right. Well, then let's get to this. You talked about um, what was happening a little bit overseas, where they're just looking at the serious cases, the hospitalized cases. Um, and I think that that's, you know, I agree. I've heard, um, like, I've heard stories about people who have had COVID-19, tested positive for COVID-19, who had nothing more than the sniffles. But we've also had cases of COVID-19 here in Henderson County that have resulted in death. Yes. So, you know, it's a wide fluctuation. So tell us about the hospitalization numbers in, in our county, in our region. Well, to get so that we have a comparison set of numbers, we use DHSH. We use their website to monitor what is called the trauma service areas. And there are, I believe, 20 of them in the state of Texas, and they're tied to met metropolitan regions. And ours is Region 6. And in that Region 6, there's close to a million in population. There's 27 counties in Region 6, right. all East Texas. And in that million population currently, as of today, there are 56 individuals that are hospitalized that have been reported in our region, 56 out of 1 million. Okay, and so last week when we talked about this, I think there were 57. Yes. And it went down a little bit, then it's come up a little Correct. bit. But statistically, that's like no change whatsoever. That is, but if, even if you look statewide, now, you have these little fluctuations here, a little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, 
yesterday state hospitalizations were reported at 3,711, mm -hmm. and today they're at 4,092. So hospitalizations statewide are increasing. In our region, we are, and some have said we are somewhat insulated, we are staying pretty well okay. flat. All right, so is... So is there something that the, the numbers will tell us about hospitalizations as far as, because this is what we've heard, the, the governor came out this week and, and on Monday and on Tuesday has made statements saying, all right, guys, we need to, we need to get serious about right. COVID again. This is a problem, and one of the main problems is hospitalization going up. Right. Is there some kind of trend in the numbers that we can see? Well, the, the interesting point is that there's 29 million, is the population of Texas, 29 million. In the two regional trauma, trauma regional areas lives exact 14 million of our population. That, in, that is the Dallas-Fort Worth area and the Houston area. Okay. Those two areas make up, as of yesterday, 58% of all of the reported hospitalizations. Out of the 3,711, there were 2,173. Well, that makes sense because it's almost half the population. They're half the hospitalizations. Correct. And when you add in the other two metropolitan areas of Austin and San Antonio, 76% of the hospitalizations are in those four metropolitan areas. All right, so now we're going to go back to way back to the beginning of all of this when we couldn't get testing, but Dallas could. And Correct. From the very beginning, the, 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 the thought was that it was the major metropolitan areas, Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, that were the real hot spots, right. the danger spots. And what we're seeing in the hospitalization is that's still true. That is still true. And it points back to, as we've said many times, population density. When you have individuals that are sharing surfaces, areas, up in close, this whole social distancing. Right. And secondarily, as, as we're going to speak about masks, when you have that close proximity, taking all the precautions that you can helps stop the spread of COVID-19. And it is, as an example, looking at these metropolitan areas where you have that, it proves up that fact. Okay, so this gets back to this idea, um, and which is going to become very important as we move forward. And okay, so Wayne, you asked the question. All right, so what do we do now about it? Um, this idea that there's two Texases, if you mm -hmm. will. There's the metropolitan areas. There's Houston and Dallas and San Antonio and Austin. And then there's rural Texas, there's East Texas and West Texas and those types of areas. And that even though we're in one state, those are two totally drastically different environments. That is true. That is represented in many ways. Right. Uh, when you have our lives are based off of our circumstances and our perceptions and you develop your choices and your lifestyles based on those and it is never more apparent than when you compare rural texas versus urban texas all right so 
that comes into, by the way, we haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, I talked to the sheriff this morning on uh, my interview with him, and uh, they had a case of, they have a COVID positive jailer. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're now dealing with that over there where they have to, um, you know, quarantine some of their staff and, and have to deal with those things. So, you know, however this breaks down, it's not like Henderson County can hide and say we don't have to deal with COVID because we're, we're small. That would be an incorrect statement. That would be that would be putting v- your head in the sand and very lying to yourself. Very incorrect. Very incorrect. Yeah. Um, when you the thing that Texas has been able to do is protect those uh, at risk populations. Uh, there were issues when it first started up in the Northeast where the nursing homes were right. really impacted hard. Well, with Texas was running about a month behind the Northeast, we were able to learn from their lessons, and Texas was able to restrict access to help those, and it also did with the um, jail system. Um, when you have that, again, confined population density, um, you can have an urban or you can have it in a microcosm, and that's exactly what a jail or a nursing home sure. is. And so the I know the sheriff has been extremely diligent, he and his staff, and we have done, they have just done outstanding in keeping the facility COVID-free. You, you can only go to the well so many times, and as the spread continues, as with yeah. all infectious um viruses they uh, will gain access and with the protocols and everything that are in place over there isolating the individuals that were first person contacts and uh, reviewing and reviewing and reviewing protocols on how to keep the uh, inmates protected he is all over and and they are working diligently to make sure that so if you're listening to this interview um, you can also listen to that interview with the sheriff because we go through all of that, uh, and it is, like the judge says, it's pretty involved. Um, but that brings us to, okay, it's, it's, we're now about to roll into the 4th of July. Yes. COVID cases are on the rise in Henderson County. Even if, even if hospitalizations are not and I'm are trying. steady, cases themselves are on the rise. Um, the governor has announced that cities and counties have the uh, power to limit outdoor groups of 100. Is that correct? Yes, that's our understanding. So, so you can't have an outdoor group of more than 100. Is that what it would be? No. What it is currently is under the state order, outdoor groupings of 500 okay. or above. Are prohibited at this okay. time. Okay, so you can't have an outdoor group of over 500 under current rules. Under current rules. What the governor did under his latest executive order is to grant the authority to county judges and mayors to limit gatherings to 100, 100 so or above. So you can pull that can, down to 100. We can pull that down to 100. All right, so now here's the interesting thing as far as I think and what I have understood about all this. Someone breaks, the like you say, all right, we're going to put that in place. No gatherings of over 100. 
and somebody has a gathering with 300 people and you walk up and you say, you're not allowed to do that. What power do you have to stop it? Really, our authority of um, we can put many things in place, but when you start to enforce, yeah. the mechanism to enforce is very limited, and many will argue non-existent. Uh, what we desired was the ability. You can have rules, but if you have no consequences, what's the point in the rule? Yeah, then it's not really even a rule. It's, it's not really even a rule. Yeah. So um, Now, there used to be, like, at one point, because I remember writing about it, if you broke, for one of better terminology, if you broke the COVID rules, mm-hmm. you could be fined up to a certain amount of money, and 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 there, I think that you was you like could have been put in jail for a couple right. of days. There were definite penalties in in place. But those have been removed. They have been under this particular circumstance. Those particular rules had been in place for uh, many years because they were a violation of an executive order or an emergency declaration. Right. Those were in place not for COVID, but for any executive order. For any one. And given the circumstances surrounding COVID, uh, those were removed in this particular though, Which means, though, that you have the... You can sit here in county government and say, we're going to limit outdoor events to 100, but you really don't have the power to enforce that. It is very difficult. Very difficult. That's got to factor into your decision making when you try to decide whether you want to make that move. It does because... um Basically, you you are in a position to where if you cannot enforce a rule that you make, you are diminishing the authority, you're um, diminishing the respect for down the line um, with, with other instances. And it's very important to be consistent. And we are in a situation that is threatening to our um, public health. And it's going to have to be a cooperative effort amongst everybody. Citizens, I mean, the, the, the best way I can sum it up, common courtesy is going to be the only way that we will be able to pull through this all together. Well, what we know really right now in um, not just uh, Texas, but in all of our country, common courtesy and like... Uh, being understanding and pulling together is what we're really good at right now. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> you know, I, I can't. You know, that that's probably the, the you always hear about the secret ingredient soup. Oh, sure. You know, everybody's looking for the secret ingredient. Sure. And there's really no secret ingredient except for that very thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I, that, that pulling together and that common courtesy. Right. Sorry for all the people who don't actually go to church. <laughs> all right, I don't mean actually. I mean, you, you have your faith. I have my faith. I'm not, right. But love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Self. Exactly. You know, or the golden rule. Unless, unless you're on Facebook. <laughs> because if you're on Facebook... It then is. it's you can say anything you want to anybody you want. Mm, but so it is. Yes. All right, let's get back to yes. it. Yes. 
So I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Does the county have any um, thoughts right now about limiting outdoor crowds to 100? Not at this time. Not at this time. Okay. Right. All right. So I want to move on to another issue, which I think is really important um, and, and goes back to what I was just kidding about. Uh, uh, Facebook and stuff because one spot that our community is really divided on is this idea of masks Mm -hmm. and when you should wear masks. And it's not just our community. It's not just Henderson County. It is the entire country. Um, A local, uh, an Athens City Councilwoman, Tony Clay, um, wrote a letter to local media asking people to wear their masks more, um, talked about having businesses require people to have masks, just like they require them to wear a shirt and shoes to come in um, and those kinds of things. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on, on wearing a mask and on the government's role the county's role in requiring people to wear a mask. Well, interesting enough, I believe that following what um, has been sent down from the governor, and that is that any business that is regulated by the state, therefore gives the state the authority. And when I say state, I mean any subsection of state being yeah, city being council, city, whatever, exactly, any governmental gives agency. them the authority to be able to require businesses to do that. To, oh, to, really? Yeah, I, I do. Um, to the general populace, there is much question on that. Um, it's where that authority lies, and I believe that is where the governor was going with some of his discussions. The, uh, the other part about, uh, you've heard many of them say businesses coming in must wear a mask. All right, so now, real um, quick, before we yeah. move on, I want to make sure we understand what you're talking about is the legal underpinnings. The, Correct. The legal authority to say a business must require a mask, whether or not a city, a county has that authority. And what you're saying is your understanding from what's come down from the governor, yes, local government does have that authority if it so chooses. Right. That that does have that capability. Now, when you move outside of that and you move outside of what I will call the state domain into the public or or private domain, that authority is not there. Um, I believe, as as we keep going back to, that if I go into a business and there is no requirement, but that business themselves say, look, we're going to do this. We we want you to do that. I'll put a mask on and go in that business. It goes Mm -hmm. back to that common courtesy. Right. If I wish to go in there, I will abide by their rules. I go into your house, I'm going to abide by your rules in your house. Um, as to far um, to lay out a dictate from uh, the government without any more authority, I don't see where that's where we can do any more. Okay, I wanna, any I, more authority. I, I, I'm I'm a little confused. I want to make okay. sure. So I think what I hear you saying now is that government has the authority to require those masks in places that are regulated by government correct so for instance you could require masks in order to come into the county courthouse 
Yes, and I will expound on that as well. But you're not necessarily, you don't necessarily have the authority to say, hey, local hamburger shop, you must require people to wear masks to come in. Right. Okay. Exactly. Because I was a little confused about that. So government can say you have to come in, and, and, and that would be a lot of things, yes. a lot of places. Let's say um, it's not open right now, but the Kane Center. Mm-hmm. If the Kane Center were open, the city could require people to wear masks to come into the Kane Center because Correct. that is basically a governmental building. Correct. Um, but not a local business. Right. Okay. Thank you. You spoke to the county requiring masks. A right. part, um, whenever you are compelled by the government to participate, say you're called for jury duty, um, we have um, rules set forth of jury participation, um, uh, masks, so forth. We, we, because of when someone is compelled to present themselves to where they may be in a position of contracting, it is incumbent upon us not only um in our opinion morally to provide them with the capability so that they have some protection sure so there are some things that will be happening within the county government itself where masks um, are a requirement because in that particular case somebody didn't just walk in exactly you have demanded that they show up Exactly. And so if you're putting that demand on them, you're going to put them in the place where they can be the best protected. Exactly. Because they're not there of their own free will. Right. Okay. All right. But it sounds like I don't have to worry about, like, I have to wear a mask to come into the county courthouse anytime soon. Not for something that you're compelled. If, if you are compelled right. to be there, yes, you you will. No, no, no. I'm I'm right. coming in to, to like talk if to someone about. If you're coming in to about, register your vehicle, yeah, to come register on my in. vehicle or come something like that, we will check your temperature. You're going to check the temperature, but right. you're not. And and so tell me, uh, and and I'm going to put you on the spot again. Okay. Your personal feelings mm-hmm. about masks and their effectiveness, because you have. Uh, been like you guys have like a control center in here about COVID <laughs> now, and right. you've you've been dealing with COVID for for months and months, many hours a day, and I know you've read a lot of the research and also. What right. is your take on masks? My take on masks is that if I am around an individual that could be harmed by my actions. I'm going to alter my actions. Uh, I have family members that are in an extreme end of being um, very susceptible to this disease. And um, we did not have um, a recent event with them basically because of that. Um, with small children, uh, I, I, since you have children as well, I refer to them as my IEDs Mm -hmm. with COVID because they have little, uh, a very small number have the symptoms, but they are. They're carriers. They are are carriers. So um, I am always going to put on a mask if I am in the, um, if I go and put an elderly person or someone like that at risk. Um, If I am out 
mowing the grass, which I'm asthmatic. I should wear a mask doing that. Even then, I do not wear a sure. mask. So um, I'm always going to put the consideration of the other person. So you, ahead of um, you're headed home, and you got to run into a, a local supermarket, Brookshire's, Walmart, wherever it is. You wearing a mask? I am not, but okay. I am staying away from individuals. Okay, uh, that's social distancing. Sure. The hand washing and the social distancing. Yeah. The uh, sneezing, coughing into your elbow. Sure. Those type of things uh, are demand. I, I believe is required by all of us. Yeah. Um, the the mask has taken on connotations of whatever whatever label you want to put on it. Uh, I am one that in the setting where I know that I'm going to be a problem. I'm going to put a mask on that, that common courtesy. Sure. Because I will not, um, take that risk for someone for, else. For someone else. Right. And everyone's perception of what their risk level is, is different. I'm not going to dictate to this individual here to put on a mask because I believe he should have it on. Right. It comes down to what kind of individual living with yourself if I knew that I did something that caused um, illness or even, um, God forbid, the death, I, I don't know how I could handle that. Right. All right. Looking ahead. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't even have to look far ahead. Let's look into next week, into the 4th of July. Right. What do, what do you see coming? What, what are you projecting for the next seven to ten days in Henderson County? I am projecting a continual rise in cases. Uh, You look at the timeline from Memorial Day to now. Right. Three weeks. Right. Oh, yeah. Roughly. Three weeks. Um, Fourteen days after Memorial Day, you began to see the rise. Thank God the hospitalizations have um, stayed steady. That, That either is indication of we're able to treat more um, when you look at the demographics it's a, mainly the younger individuals that were really seeing the increase in the um, in the cases in the cases so but they're um, the ones that are also shaking it off exactly yeah you know it is I look for it to continue to rise the the active cases in that hospitalization will tell the tale because we go back again in the very beginning it was about overwhelming our hospital system. And and the urban areas are beginning Flatten to the feel curve. that. They're beginning to feel that. As you come away from Memorial Day, here we have another one, and I encourage everyone, celebrate the 4th, but do your best. Be smart about it. Be smart about it. You, know, you may not want to go see this particular event, or you may want to um, put yourself in a position to that uh, where you may not contract it. Right. You know, be sure you're smart. Yeah, maybe maybe not, you know, fifty people at the barbecue this year. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the two numbers we're watching now, I, I'm adding hospitalization. Last mm-hmm. week we talked about uh, the active cases. This week we talked a whole lot about the hospitalization. I think those are the two case, those are the two numbers that are really, really important. Um, and again, this week we've seen a spike in the active cases, but the hospitalizations have stayed the same. So, you know, at least that part of it, 
is positive for us locally. It is. It is. I'm, I'm very pleased that we have been able to maintain a pretty level. I mean, the highest I saw it um, previously a month ago was in the high 60s for our region. Uh, we Our region did not experience the same as the metropolitan areas. Doesn't mean that it cannot. Right. I mean, it can. Right. When this was first going on and we were talking about the cases, I remember you saying, okay, we're X number of weeks behind the urban areas. Um, And so we want to make sure that that's not true when it comes to the hospitalizations, because that's what this all was from the very beginning. If everybody remembers going all the way back to the beginning, Mm -hmm. it was all about the term flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. We knew that people were going to contract the disease. The question was, could we spread it out enough that the hospitals don't get overwhelmed? And so that's where we are. All right. Well, thank you very much, Judge. I appreciate you talking to us so much about uh, COVID-19. And I'll be back next week. And I'm going to guess we'll be talking about COVID-19. COVID-19. All right. So until then, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, sir, for letting us in. And we'll talk to you next week. Happy 4th. (laughs) 